Good morning, brothers and sisters. If you're anything like me, the first few days of Lent are always the hardest. After three or four days, I felt like it had been a year since I had given up whatever I chose to give up. And that's always true, of course, whenever you have to make some sacrifice, some fast, the initial effort is, is the hardest. After a while, maybe a week or two, you get used to it, Lent becomes easier. But you know how when, when you want something and it's right there, like you could have it, but you're not supposed to, you have to choose to give it up. It, it's very difficult feeling. And it made me think of when I was a child and I, I asked my mom or dad for something, you know, cookie or whatever, and they said I couldn't have it. And, and I'd get really upset. And like children, they'll often say, but I'm dying. I'm, it's killing me. I need it. And in that moment, we may think it's funny and a bit exaggerated, but I actually think there's some truth in what the child is saying. I think in their simplicity, they understand a bit better. Because any type of suffering in this life ultimately is a reflection of the ultimate suffering of death. We were not made to die. It was not God's original plan for us. Death entered the world because of sin and has been reigning ever since and will reign in this world until the end of time. Even Christ himself was subject to death. And any type of suffering that we endure is connected with that death. It doesn't matter what it is. Why? Think of it this way. At the end of your life, whenever that may come, you are going to have to give up everything. As they say, you can't take it with you. You'll have to give up everything. You'll even have to give up your life. There'll be nothing left of you except your soul. So anytime you have to give up anything else during your life, it's a small death. It's a small experience of the ultimate sacrifice at the end when you lose everything, when you're left with nothing. And that's why I want to teach you for those of you who don't know this, a very important Latin phrase that you all should memorize. Memento mori. Memento mori. I'm sure many of you have heard this before. It's a very important Latin phrase. The church has been using it for hundreds and hundreds of years to help remind us of the inevitability of death. And that's what it means. Remember death. Memento mori. In fact, oftentimes you'll see the phrase memento mori in like a skull pictured. Ooh, you know, scary. To make you think of death. Sometimes it'll be an hourglass or a clock or some bones, ideally anything that helps you realize that death is coming for you. Even the youngest of you, death is coming. And it's going to get you one day. It may be 80 years from now. It may be tomorrow. The problem is we don't know. And so much of our life is spent on trying to avoid it. And anything that makes us think of death, and that means any type of sacrifice. Because sacrifice, by its very nature, is a type of dying. But the saints in the church have taught us that we need to daily reflect on death. Daily contemplate, think about it. And so the saints have often used this phrase, memento mori, to remind themselves and to remind others, death is coming for you. Are you ready for it? Again, it's not a very happy idea. But one of the things the word of God teaches us is that it is better to dwell in the house of the morning, meaning those who have lost a loved one, than in the house of those who party. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing. It doesn't literally say party. But you know what I mean. A house of celebration. It said it is more wise to mourn over the loss of someone. 
than to rejoice over earthly goods. That's why the church requires us to spend this season in particular on preparing for death. Because in essence, Lent is not a preparation for Easter. It's a preparation for Good Friday, the death of our Lord. And when our Lord fasted 40 days and 40 nights in the desert, he was preparing for his inevitable death. And so we, rightly following his example, we prepare for our own deaths by fasting 40 days, 40 nights each year. But since we don't know when that death may come, it's not enough just to do that once a year and then we don't have to think about death until next Lent. No, every day, memento mori, remember death. Now, I want to teach you two other Latin phrases that I think go along very well with this. And again, some of you would have heard these. The first actually originally was connected with memento mori. It would come first. But a lot of times people don't, don't realize that. Tempus fugit. Time flies. Remember death. Tempus fugit memento mori. That was the original phrase. Time flies, remember death, right? The older we get, what happens? The more it flies. <laughs> we, we look back and we, we don't know where the years went. When you're young and your whole life is before you, time seems to move very slowly. But that will change young men and women. That will change for you. Tempest fugit, time flies. Memento mori, remember death. And the last phrase, you better all remember this, carpe diem, seize the day. Take advantage of today. Now again, a lot of times in a secular way, that phrase carpe diem is used to live it up. Get what you want. Do whatever you want because you only have today. That's not the reason for the phrase. The reason is seize the day because today is the only day that you know you have. Take advantage of today, and from our perspective, that means get ready for death. I may die tomorrow morning before I wake up. Am I ready for death before I go to sleep this night? So these three Latin phrases I think every Catholic should have memorized. Tempus fugit, memento mori, carpe diem. Very important. Plus, you'll sound really educated when you use them, so it's an added bonus. Now... When you're giving up some type of sacrifice, like we're doing during this holy season, obviously it is hard, and on some level, initially it feels like you're dying, because it is a type of death. So how do we find the strength to continue those necessary sacrifices in our lives? I'll give you an example of something that I realized when I was in college. I had a hard time controlling my tongue. I didn't necessarily say bad things, but when I wanted to say something, I would say it. Didn't matter the context, I would force myself into that conversation. And obviously I realized that was very immature of me and undisciplined and the Lord was asking me to work on controlling that, but it wasn't easy. When I felt passionate about something, I had to speak. And of course, now God in his mercy has given me an audience that has to listen to me, which is, which is very nice. But, but I think he taught me to control my tongue before he gave me permission to have this kind of power. So. So I realized I, I needed to work on this in my life. So I was praying and asking my guardian angel, how can I, how can I overcome this? Because when my zeal, when my passion kind of is stirred up and you feel that, that it's not just this is important, it's I have to say this. 
how do you control yourself? Because maybe you don't have to say it. Maybe you should give it up or fast from speaking. You ever thought about giving up speaking for Lent? Not completely, but unnecessary conversations. So one of the ideas that came to my mind, I'm sure it was from the Lord, and it happened to me when I was sitting in a group of friends, we we're in just a common area at college, and they were talking, I, I think about the Blessed Virgin Mary, and like I, I get a little obsessed on that topic, and I know a lot about it, so, so while some of them were speaking, I was getting very excited because I wanted to share something. And you know, I wasn't even listening to them anymore, I could only think about what I wanted to share. And then it occurred to me, what if I had never walked into this common area? What if I had never actually even gone to this college? Would I have been here at this moment in this room to hear this conversation and to think that what I have to say is so important? What if I had never existed? What if I were dead? God doesn't need me to speak. In a sense, it's just his providence that I'm there at that moment anyway. Why should I assume that my presence in this room is some sign from God that what I want to say is what must be said? If I were dead, I wouldn't even want to speak. And so when you're thinking of that, that piece of candy that's right there that you want, even though you gave up sweets for Lent, and you think, if I were dead, I wouldn't want it anymore. I'd have to give it up, right? And when you're dead, you can't eat chocolate anymore. And I know sometimes we say there's chocolate in heaven. And, and, and I guess in essence, if you really want chocolate, you can have it in heaven. But as we approach death, we're going to have to give up everything we love in this life, even our own lives. And if I can't keep that in mind, then I won't be able to deny myself these goods, these things that aren't evil in and of themselves, that's why we were asked to fast and to do penance. It is a preparation for death. So, three phrases, repeat after me. Tempest fugit. Time flies. Memento mori. Remember death. And carpe diem. Seize the day. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.